You're listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast with Allie, a fiery realtor queen, and Samantha, a gypsy wandering her way through life while navigating being a rock star woman with ADHD. Both are former teen moms of two who have faced challenging adversities. They're here to break stereotypes, get real with you about the messiness of life, and remind you that we're all just a little twisted. For listening um, today, I have the pleasure of interviewing my co-host Samantha Mello. Hello, hello. And we thought these next two episodes here, we would kind of dive into our lives and how we got here. And so, starting off, yes. Let's dig into it. Let's, let's do, do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So you were born in Poway, California. Yes. The good old West Coast girl. <laughs> That's right. Um, I was born in Poway and grew up in Oceanside. For how long? Um, we moved. Well, we moved a lot. <laughs> um, not a lot, but we moved a few big moves in between there. But I would say between California, I lived there for oh, eight years, nine years. We lived in Tennessee for a year. I lived in Northern California, up by Willits, Eureka, Ukiah, the Redwoods, um, for about a year up there. And then um, we ended up back in Southern California. And you were homeschooled too during all <laughs> of this, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, we went, I went to quite a few schools in between those moves. And then when we, we moved back t- to Southern California, um, I was homeschooled second through fifth grade, yes, and then I um, moved to Minnesota, <laughs> where I went through uh, sixth uh, sixth in F- Fairbolt, and then um, I went to high school in the good old Waterville Legion Morristown. <laughs> Talk about a culture shock! Uh-huh. <laughs> I was going to say from California. I there was like no ethnicities around, and. Uh, they every everywhere took about 45 minutes to get to <laughs> it was a little shocking but you know I love it now and people are like why do you live in Minnesota still um part of it's because my son's here obviously but I just love the sense of community and I love um just the history like there's such a deep family history and it shows right, around these parts right. I think it's beautiful I think just diving back into kind of your California days, I guess, kind of tell me your your family dynamic and siblings and all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> she got right to uh-huh. it. <laughs> oh boy! Um, you know my my dad, he and my mom are from the Bay Area, and um, my mom grew up in uh, Fre- Fremont, and my dad grew up in Oakland. My dad was in the Navy. So uh, that's how they ended up in Southern California, okay. which is where I grew up. Um, my dad and my mom, obviously, I just had different views in life, I guess you could say. And uh, where they got divorced and um, she met my stepdad, my amazing dad, Kevin. I And I, we, I kind of grew up traveling around. My dad lived in Tennessee for a little while, and then um, he moved to Las Vegas, which is where he stayed. And uh, we, I would travel to Vegas kind of for the summer and different holidays and lived in California. And I loved California. It was definitely a beach and, you know, skateboarding, surfing, all the activities. You kind of don't know what you have until it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Come move to conservative Minnesota when your uh, van's wearing skateboarders. Seriously. <laughs> I was just telling somebody today that it's really cool when you look back, you know, as a, as a kid, you realize, um, you know, I was going to the zoo at one of the most amazing zoos in the United States. And uh, all these things that were at our fingertips that we had no idea were so special. Right. But it's really cool to look back as a kid and get to look at all the great places I've been and um, all of my first were some pretty incredible No areas. kidding. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. So mom marries Kevin and you moved to good old Minnesota, small town. How big was more? I mean, you grew up in Morristown, Faribault kind of area. How big was the population back in the 90s? 
oh gosh, I don't, we moved in 2000. Okay. So um, my stepdad is from Minnesota. So that's mm-hmm. how we ended up here. So the only family I actually have in Minnesota is um, his side. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, all of my, my dad's side and my mother's side is kind of scattered across the West Coast. Um, my, I, gosh, the population, I don't know, it felt like 12. <laughs> I couldn't even. Um, it was it was definitely a tough one to get used to. Um, their dream was to buy property and build a house, and um, that's what they did. They followed their dreams and passion, and um, they bought forty acres and built a beautiful, beautiful legacy of a home, which now it is gorgeous. I I just have such an appreciation for. I would say during the time. You don't quite understand what's going on or, you know, you're very, we're all kind of narrow-minded when we're kids, but we don't know Definitely. what we don't know, right? Right. Like, yeah. how dare you move me from the ocean to the place with four seasons and the frigid cold and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what are ice skates? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, so true. And I'm like, I don't want to do winter sports. This is miserable. I don't be outside. Mm-hmm. But um, you adjust. I found sports um, really became an outlet for me growing up and just meeting the people around the area, getting to know friends. Um, You know, you're forced to kind of be partners with certain people when you're in practice, and Mm -hmm. it kind of got people to know me. Um, My friends will kind of laugh because – they all tell a story about when they met me, and it's usually I just was like, "Hi, I'm Sam." Like, <laughs> I was gonna ask, tell "I'm with me, you now." Like, we're friends. <laughs> tell me your first day of school in Minnesota. <laughs> oh my gosh, they called me Pink Shirt Girl. Pink Shirt um, Girl. Yes, I was. They probably didn't get many new kids either. No, and yeah. not with big boobs at like. <laughs> You know, 12. Something, something yeah. we had in common. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know, the big boobs at 12. And so I'm pretty sure it was a little shocking, too. Um, no, I showed up in a Roxy surfer pink shirt. I had my uh, skater DC shoes on, and I did not fit the Tommy Hilfiger and Doc Martin look at all. <laughs> Definitely. But I um, had this blonde hair that I just got freshly highlighted, <laughs> by the way. Mm. Um, the nice striped ones. <laughs> and uh, nobody knew my name, but I was referred to as Pink Shirt Girl. Yeah, it was. Uh, That's my new nickname for you. Hey, Pink <laughs> Shirt Girl. Yeah. Pink yeah. Cast here. I think this leads to probably why I hate the color pink. Probably. <laughs> it's all coming. We're digging in deep. We are. So you were kind of, as obviously, she's my best friend, so I kind of know a lot of these questions already, but just being kind of that tomboy and fitting in with the guys and the girls, did you ever run into issues with that? Yeah, of course. I I had my best friends growing up always seemed to be males, and um, I don't know, I was just really comfortable with whatever I was and wherever we were, and... um, just always been super competitive naturally I loved to run and race and um just all that stuff and I did find I think that transition of just getting into middle school and high school that like you are a female and you kind of want to be noticed right you want to be right I Mm -hmm. you want people to like you Mm -hmm. and I especially in that kind of age middle school age is you're kind of like oh am I in that feminine energy or am I in this masculine energy right and so it's a weird kind of fine line so that was a hard time probably to yes Mm -hmm. and I found it really hard to connect with other girls because I was so much like why are you crying Mm -hmm. what's the problem like why do you care what I'm doing? What do you care to tell people? Like, I just didn't quite have that concept of why people cared about my business or why you would kind of talk about each other. And just there's a whole aspect there. But I, I remember one night crying to my mom, just going like, I told her the secret and I don't understand why she would want to just tell somebody. And, right. you know, and that's when... I learned a valuable lesson of like you need to be true to yourself but you also sometimes you just need to hold things and not tell everybody and make mm-hmm. sure that when you are that it is somebody to confide in that trust Absolutely. is built that you don't just trust everybody. sight unseen right mm-hmm. so 19 was obviously a really big year for you tell me a little bit more about that 
It was. I would say it started out, uh, I was 18 and a senior in high school. <laughs> um, we, I loved volleyball. I was a big volleyball player. And um, I uh, think we, uh, we had a good time in high school. I loved it. I made some amazing connections, which actually I'm still connected with a lot of them. Just the nice thing about very Minnesota. core people. Yes. yes. And um, beautiful people. And I, I, you know, volleyball season was over, right? And it was St. Patty's Day. And so we all decided to do a little uh, <laughs> pre- um, Green beer. Before you're 21 <laughs> drinking. I'm sorry, Mom, <laughs> which I think you already know. <laughs> um, and we just had a lot of fun. Um, little did I know that a decision I would make that night would affect the rest of my life in a very dramatic um but beautiful way and so i you know good old i i just got chills month and tears or two us. later yes. i found out um i bought a pregnancy <laughs> test at walmart and <laughs> stopped at the nearest gas station <laughs> because i could not wait to take it uh, uh -huh. because i was freaked out and uh, absolutely we had done pretty much everything we could to not you know get impregnated mm -hmm. at that point except for abstinence so yes. i would encourage abstinence when you're young and um found out i was pregnant with my son hayden <laughs> and i man that was a trip i we had to make a decision i yeah. uh, are we going to we i called his dad and uh, we sat there and went through both of all, I mean, not both, but all of our options, I would say very thoroughly. And, um, and who was Hayden's dad to you at that time? Hayden's dad and I were, I would say probably like just best friends in high yeah. school. We had been really good friends. We had a great banter relationship. We were both voted, uh, most flirtatious oh. if that could give you mm. a little something so you were about the challenge <laughs> to one another we were something <laughs> um and um you know but it, it, we had both had plans to go on with our life I think we had he was gonna go off to college and I was gonna go um I didn't quite know the direction I was heading but I I wanted to get back to the west coast yeah. I wanted to go explore I wanted to go travel and live for sure um was a dream of mine and um Obviously, that all kind of came to a screeching halt, yeah. and we were both kind of prepared to go our own ways, And um, but life had other plans for <laughs> us, <laughs> and um, looking back now, I definitely see Hayden as a, he graduated, we always joke that he's going to graduate twice, because I was nice and <laughs> three and a half months pregnant with a little bump under my um, graduation <laughs> gown, but as proud of him as I was, it was a very... Um, it was not embarrassing, but it was very visual, right? It was undeniable that yeah. I was pregnant and well, I was graduating and I had disappointed a lot of people around me. And just being a, a, a little teenager and how people view you as, yeah. as a woman in a way of like, oh, if you couldn't keep your legs closed or anything yes. like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would say that. Um, those were some of the hardest comments and the stereotypes that, right. wow, she had a lot going for her life. Yes. And what a what a sad thing to mm -hmm. see that she's she's basically ruined her life. Um, you know, and a lot of it did go on me as a female. Um, but I have been extremely blessed with Hayden's father who stepped up in tremendous yeah. ways. And I think you guys are the best co-parenting people I've ever met in my life. Very different people. Yes. But we respect that about each other. Mm -hmm. And we made, I just, that day that we decided we were going to keep him and we were going to do this, we made a vow that um, we were going to do this. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just forever stuck. But um, yeah, that was, I, I just remember in my head thinking, I am not going to be another statistic. Yes. I am not. My life is not gone. Because no. I am choosing Brat to life. bring this life into this universe. And um, 
and I always just, I tell him every day, and he could probably tell you this, I tell him all the time, is you are supposed to be here. I don't know why. I don't know what you're going to do, but I know you're going to do something incredible mm-hmm. because you are special. He and is. Um, he is definitely, I look back, and he was a saving grace in my life Absolutely. as far as... I probably would be dead in a ditch somewhere, (laughs) you know, from like trying to hitchhike somewhere. Who knows? I I don't even know. But I know that um, him and I have grown up together in a way that I find so incredibly special. And um, yeah, he's... He's he's a great kid. He is a great kid. It's weird kid. to say that I have a freshman in high school uh, right? at my age, but <laughs> it's kind of really fun also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. And so obviously Ryan and you kind of split ways and you went on with your life and went to cosmetology school where so um that was one thing we we both just really helped each other through life which was cool I mean he was in college and um I went to beauty school and we had although our families had a hard time I think accepting the changes in our life which looking back now I look with my son and you have all these hopes and dreams for your kid and um so when there's a huge change of direction I, I have a lot more grace now. I didn't quite understand it at the time. Absolutely not. It was like, well, why can't you just accept what's going on? Yes. Um, but they did, and they showed up in ways that now I realize were uh, incredible and, and have a big impact on to where we are in life and where Hayden is in well, life. Well, right, because who wants to hear their little 19-year-old is? Why do we think we're such adults at that age? I don't know. You you think you're so grown up and you think you're just, Mm -hmm. um, you've got it all figured out. And how (laughs) dare they be shocked. I know. Seriously. (laughs) I've got this. And I look back and I look at people my age at that time and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what I was (laughs) doing. I can't, I can't believe it. But I'm also weirdly grateful for that pressure that pushed me to do a lot of things early on in life in order to be where I'm at now. hundred percent. And I feel like I skipped a lot of also bad decisions in there. somewhere. probably <laughs> with the one, <laughs> with the one. So, mm-hmm. but, um, <clears throat> cosmetology school, I've always wanted to be creative. It was always something I had. I did my friends and hair and makeup in high school. I mean, I did it for proms and all of that. It was exciting to me and it was seemed like the easiest thing in the fastest time where I could be making an income and also create a legacy for myself at some point. Um, So I did. I did that. And then I moved to Mankato, which is where Hayden's dad finished college. And um, I worked down there for a while. So started my career at good old Regis there. I forgot about that. I know. And I loved it. It was it was a fun challenge. And you know, hair is forever changing. Um, yes. But then I also started out when I was pregnant, um, waitressing and bartending. And so that was a great way that I made um, extra cash. And I quick learned really tied in with the hair business as well mm-hmm. for connecting with people and networking correct Mm -hmm. and what I really found that I was good at was just connecting with people and that's what I enjoyed the most out of it all you're such a chameleon for sure yeah I think I've just been so many places and through a lot in life early on um you know because in that time I'm gonna throw this little curveball when I was 16 my dad passed away from a drug overdose actually um he struggled on and off in his life with addiction and addiction is something that really runs in my family on both ends and it was something that I was always very aware of and also very fearful that I could possibly have that gene correct Mm -hmm. and um so I really made conscious efforts to be aware of that um so after losing him and moving um a few times and just learning how to pick up in new places and make connections, it became a skill in my life that for sure helped later on. Mm-hmm. And well, you're just resilient in everything that you oh, do. You're so sweet. 
I try sometimes, but <laughs> sometimes it gets the best Fake of me. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, you know, the, the loss of a parent early on in that identity was something that uh, was very tragic, obviously. But, um, you know, as you get older, you really start to connect with your parents and you learn about them. For and sure. I think I look back and think, I wish I would have asked so many questions. Well, I wish I would have. I think, too, going there for just the summer and stuff and kind of romanticizing that right. relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. And my poor mother, you know, she tried to keep that, uh, you know, going, too. Mm-hmm. It was it was like you don't you don't want to let your kids down that, hey, your dad didn't call you on your right. birthday. You know, I had to call him and tell him, you need to call your daughter. It's her birthday. Right. You know, nobody wants to let your kid down no. in those ways. But also, he was the person who gave me the characteristics, a lot of characteristics that I have. He was funny. He was smart. He was charismatic. He could just bring life out in anybody. And he was the one person in my life that always was like, you are beautiful. You are so resilient. Wow. Like, he would just look at me and say I'm so proud of you and I would be like dad what are you proud of what are you like what are you talking about and looking back at those moments I can picture him and where we were at and when he said those and how much he said it with such um passion and truth and he wanted me to hear it in those moments and they've stuck with me forever and that's the sad thing about addiction is it always seems to take the best ones isn't that the truth Mm -hmm. but little did I know this was going to be kind of a route I I never got to fix him right Mm -hmm. and you always had those thoughts of like if you know he maybe he would have been that person that got clean or that person that you know was the um was the 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 exception right you always want to hear that exception you do absolutely Mm -hmm. but it wasn't part of our story no so I had I've learned to accept that and it's made you who you are correct Mm -hmm. yeah it's taken me a long time though (laughs) (laughs) yes definitely so kind of going raising baby cosmetology school so what happened then Mankato so in Mankato, I think I just realized that I, I didn't feel like I was supposed to be there. Yeah. Um, this kind of started to become a way of how I learned in life that I needed change. Um, I would feel it. Yeah. And nobody else around me felt <laughs> it. And a lot of times it wasn't really always agreed with or sought to be. Because um, you you're know. already in the pool. Right. Exactly. And I just was like, this isn't where I want to be. I don't like it here. I don't Mm -hmm. feel like this is home. And um, I I moved in with my parents after I moved out of my apartment down there and um, slowly wanted to make my way more north and towards the cities because I've always wanted to travel Mm -hmm. and I needed to make myself available in that area as close to the airports and also just I needed a new start I needed a fresh area I needed um, something for myself in that for sure and I think you know you and Hayden's dad you know you can only try and make something work for so long until and especially in a small town in right. Minnesota it's kind of forced to try and make it work or right. mm-hmm. and that was another disappointment was that we weren't going to get married mm-hmm. and uh, we weren't going to make it work for the right. sake of our kid um, although we I could say that we care for each other very much we definitely were not in love mm-hmm. and um, I did not want to portray to my son that that's what love was yes you can love each other but that's not what it should be right I don't know what it should be mm-hmm. but I know it wasn't that Mm -hmm. and um we're very different people who found um comfort in our differences I think um but we definitely I would say learned to uh create a system (laughs) that worked for (laughs) us I we had respect we um demanded that respect for each other with our families it was this is how it's going to be 
this is our decisions. We share 50-50 straight down the middle. Neither of us pay child support. Mm-hmm. Um, everything gets split. Um, and this is what it is. Our birthday parties we've done together. We have done separate. Um, the holidays we figure out. And I, he still had a say in his life, though, too. Right. And I just told somebody this morning we were talking about co-parenting. And one of the things I said was, we always told each other that if he was at one of our houses, say he was at my house and he really needed dad in that moment, that he would get dad in that Mm -hmm. moment Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And that's so powerful. Because that's who they need. And you can't help sometimes that you need mom or you need the comfort of dad. Absolutely. And I don't think it ever happened, but... It was one of those things that was very empowering for the both of us that you knew that we really cared for each other mm-hmm. and that we wanted our best interest was in our kid. With the child, absolutely, because yes. there's so many scenarios where people use the child against one another. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, as far as co-parenting, you have other people that come into their lives and your first instinct is jealousy, right, mm-hmm. and uh, fear as in what are they going to do and you know are they going to take that that place right Mm -hmm. and I think I I know for me I can only speak for myself as I learned early on that nobody's ever going to replace you as a mom right doesn't matter how crappy of a mom you are Mm -hmm. or a dad you are you are their blood Mm -hmm. and you are forever their parent absolutely and you will forever hold a standard in that that child's life um that doesn't make it right or wrong if you're crappy right but you are there and you will always be their parent and nobody will ever take that from you. And if somebody is taking that from you, you need to take a good look at yourself and say, what am I not doing? Absolutely. And um, the more people that love our child, the better he's mm-hmm. going to be. And mm-hmm. I tell you what, this kid has a lot of people that he love does. him. He's a spoiled rotten, but All man, he wants is an OC. OC open crib. <laughs> you can't talk Auntie Allie into it. <laughs> <laughs> nope, definitely yes. not. No OC here, Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of going towards um, the next phase of your life. Yes. Um, I, I don't even know where to go from there. There's so <laughs> many avenues. There are. Um, I kind of went into my own little journey and decided I'm Miss Independent. And mm-hmm. I... I one of my best friends was, she's incredible. She kind of took us in and uh, housed us for, we, I rented with her for about a year in Lonsdale and um, her family buys and owns houses and flips them. And so I was able to rent the house across from her and uh, make it my own for the first time. Mm-hmm. I had my own house. I had um, got to decorated even though I had nothing and I was buying a couch hey. on Craigslist mm-hmm. <laughs> and something. doing all the things and I was refurbishing a table <laughs> in order to have a table and all the things that I remember looking at thinking there's no way I can afford this I'm not mm-hmm. gonna make this much money how do people afford this much and slowly little by little it was like I was able to add and do more and within that which I kind of skipped this part is um, I started renting a chair in Alco Newmarket doing hair where I started my own business out of a business you could say and that was a really big leap and I went a little while with not much but I slowly started to build that and as I built that I decided I'm going to bartend over here Mm And I'm going to meet people because I don't go out. I have no life. Right. And um, when I don't have my son, I'm working. And so that was. I want to make more money. Right. So that was my way and always has kind of been of socializing, Mm -hmm. but also making money and having connection with people. Yes. Yep. And so I just slowly went into that and um, it really grew fast. And oh my gosh, I, the connections I made are been a huge part of my life now mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. huge parts I agree mm-hmm. huge parts and um yeah I I look back thinking you know it was a struggle at times but um man was I blessed with some pretty incredible people and just you know those were some of the best times of your life I think when you're poor and you just yes. don't know any better right? yes <laughs> exactly it's it's very true and I uh, 
yeah, there's a reason they say that. What is it? Ha- like, you're not truly happy all the time. I forget the I don't the know quote. what saying you're talking Never mind. about. Okay. We're going to just skip mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. I'm not going to Although more problems come with more money. I, I do hear that one often. I've learned that for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, and then from there, I, I had a couple boyfriends. <laughs> um, as I, my friends would joke that I have the three-year curse. Um, I am not really in a relationship longer than three years. So <laughs> apparently I have a problem with commitment. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. Thanks, Dad. No idea. <laughs> the classic daddy issue? Is uh, I don't know. Sure. I think you're just a flighter. <laughs> you know, I think really what it comes down to is... I just knew it wasn't right. Yeah. I was trying. I wanted that. And it feels good to have companionship. And it felt good to have that little kind of family dynamic Mm -hmm. that I so badly wanted. But it never quite felt right. And that was hard to come to terms with. Because I felt like I was always taught you need to make things work. And you need to push through some of this. And I would ignore a lot of red flags in order to get some of those initial definitely um, needs met in myself. They weren't ready. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And I, I am lucky and blessed at the things that they brought into my life. And hopefully I did the same for them. Right. But, um, yeah. So it was tell a, me about the night at Black's when oh you no. met. Which which person? Matt. Matthew. I actually met him at his house at a housewarming oh. party. Well, the, I'm thinking of the night that you actually met Matt. That I actually Didn't he met come Matt. and you guys could not keep your eyes off of one another? That was at a house. Was it at a house? It was at a house. That good best we were friend. Both, we were both <laughs> with somebody else at the time. And that was not like me at all. Yeah. And granted, I, it was funny because it was like we had connected eyes and it was a weird connection but it was one of those things where I was like um nope and I avoided him mm-hmm. actually the entire time and he kept asking he kept trying to make conversation <laughs> with me and he kept asking the same questions over and over and I was like well, you've already asked this and he like looked at me and I was like that's okay mm-hmm. but I just knew like nope we're nope we're drawing the boundary and just, mm-hmm. I, he he did too but We still both remember when we first connected eyes, it was like we had known each other before, but we couldn't place it. So from there, we never talked to each other again, (laughs) never saw each other until um, it was he had actually split up with his partner and I had split up with mine and we weirdly ran into each other I think it was like a lunchtime one o'clock on a Friday at a bar like nobody was there to (laughs) eat lunch and him and a guy were there and I was there with a girlfriend and I was like we looked at each other I was like hey I know you and um so at that moment we kind of got to connect and I good way you Mm -hmm. know where it was like you felt like your conscious was good and um you know, we were able to exchange numbers and kind of go from there where he asked me on a date on the blizzardiest, like worst <laughs> night ever. And somehow I made it. And <laughs> because it was like we were just so interested yeah, in each other. Like it was sure. like, what is up with you? Like you're interesting mm-hmm, to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, it was history from there, I guess. Sort yeah. Of. I mean, inseparable, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely connected in a level that I don't think either of us were expecting, as well as um, it just was like, yep, we're supposed to mm-hmm. know each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it went pretty fast, I feel like. It did, yeah. And looking back, some of it probably wasn't the most healthy ways. Um, and there's some things that I realize in retrospect that I could have gone a little different but um it wasn't supposed to right and I I'm honestly glad that we lived hard mm-hmm. and we lived truthfully and we loved hard mm-hmm. in those few years mm-hmm. for sure and especially because of the gift that you received from that absolutely mm-hmm. him and I um had both had kids out of wedlock in um you know when we were young and 
you crave that family companionship. And um, so when you finally find your person that you feel like you click with, we were very excited that I never wanted kids, though. I didn't want any more kids, and he wanted more kids. And it was the day that, I don't know, we were at dinner or what. I think we were at dinner, and I go, he goes, I, I don't need to have more kids. I just want to be with you. And I go, that's so crazy because I was going to tell you I'll have kids. <laughs> and it was in that moment that we had both put down our wants and needs because we For just really cared about each other. Yeah. And um, we kind of looked at each other like, wow. And the fact that we came with that subject right. <laughs> was super crazy. But it was just – and then it was just crazy. So we decided let's do it. And um, – we we got pregnant and we ended up miscarrying our first child and um that was uh that was an interesting um thing to go through it it was a lot more emotional than I think I would have ever expected Mm -hmm. um I had never had any sort of scare since Hayden or anything like that so for us to try and get pregnant, we were very excited. We had gotten to tell our family, and um, we n- went in for an ultrasound, and we were waiting, and I just remember telling him, something isn't right. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're acting weird. And it was after our ultrasound, and we had to wait in the room when she came in to tell us that the baby had no heartbeat. And it was actually on Matt's birthday of all days. Goodness. So wild, right? Mm-hmm. And he... Um, Wow, devastating. What a devastating thing to go through. And I, uh, we just grieved. We grieved hard. And I think for the first time, it was like, wow, you know, we have these we these other kids this. out of wedlock and we do this and then we try to do it, you know, with the somebody right we way. love. And, you know, this happens. Um, I look back and I understand that, you know, um, I have friends who have struggled with infertility and it's incredible the things that have to go in perfectly right that's like just it temperature it's crazy you have a certain amount of days mm-hmm. it ha- you have to have a certain amount of progesterone for it to like it's just wild and incredible the anatomy that us human bodies have mm-hmm. um and then it was shortly after that we weren't trying anymore and that was when we got pregnant <laughs> again <laughs> um, so we ended up getting pregnant and uh we waited this time and uh, things were healthy and it was good um but my body had other plans for me. <laughs> yes, it did. It became, um, I've struggled with kidney stones throughout my life. There's a whole nother story in the meantime that I'll get <laughs> to one day. Um, but I ended up having kidney stones that caused a blockage. And so I was going septic. I was having kidney failure. And Lorelai was, um, she was causing stress. She had a lot of stress in her. And so I ended up being in the hospital a lot. Mm-hmm. And Matt was pretty incredible through it all for he that was. part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I give him props for that. Yeah. Um, you know, and a little insight into Matt, though, too. He struggled with addiction mm-hmm. also. And so this became a little bit part of our relationship and um, how we would move forward in different areas, right. too. So it was a little curveball in there, but I don't think I realized the... Um, how extent is. of it until yes uh, until because um, you could fix them right I, I could love him through mm-hmm. it until I wasn't able to love him through it anymore because I had to focus on myself and a right. baby that I was creating yeah yeah and although he was there um, the stress definitely I think added to his addiction definitely yeah so it was a it was a roller coaster, but I remember we had we, we made it right. We you got Lorelai, and he was the most incredible person I'd ever had by my side mm-hmm. in a situation like that. Like I think about that day. And I, I just cry. remember coming to the hospital yeah. to see you both, and how he was pacing back and forth, just how happy, yeah. smiley, and he, he was always smiley. But and, yeah, I mean, this was everything. Yeah, he mm-hmm. had dreamed of for sure, and. We, I remember Lorelai was in the IC, or she was in the NICU for a while after I'd mm-hmm. had her. And um, we were, we went down to eat because we hadn't really gotten time together. And it was the first time I didn't have a tube in my back. And <laughs> right. we sat across the table and we just, I just remember looking at each other and he goes, oh my gosh, she's here. We did it. 
And I looked at him and I could cry right now. And I said, we did it. <laughs> like we were so proud of ourselves because of what it took to get her here. Mm-hmm. And you could just see it in his eyes that he was so proud. He was. Absolutely. And I was alive and she was alive. Yes. And we made it. Mm-hmm. And so we were happy. We were definitely happy for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think, um, yeah. So, sorry, let me gather no, myself No, I remember the first day that I came and visited you guys at your house. And she had this little purple onesie on. I think it was Flintstones. I feel like it was like a dinosaur purple <laughs> something. I don't remember. But I just remember him holding her and how he was just so happy to have her in his arms he was mm-hmm. they had a special connection they did i mean she looked identical to him i uh, was like what 100%. both i have two kids and neither of them look like me <laughs> my son is bright blonde with a blue eye and a green eye y'all and i'm like dark hair dark <laughs> eyes and she even though she has the dark eyes she just looked like she looks like yeah, him she did 100 yeah, percent. it's crazy mm-hmm. um but we were, we were happy, but this added a lot of stress. I was out of work. We were both self-employed. Yeah. Um, so it. And just debating what you wanted to, if you wanted to go back into that lifestyle. Yeah. There was a lot of decisions being made mm-hmm. um, in such an emotional time yeah. too. Like I just had a baby and we're trying to figure out how, I mean, these bills kept coming in right. and All we were help. falling more and more right. behind and, um, which I could see was building in him Mm -hmm. and I could see the stress and I was getting very worried Mm -hmm. about, you know, that fear of, is he going to relapse? Um, he had found, he definitely had found his peace and Mm -hmm. found a, um, muse, I guess, or he had made a decision and it was obvious and I was proud of him for sure. Mm -hmm. But when you're dealing with something in that, you're always kind of prepared for the worst Mm -hmm. too. So it was hard to learn how to be supportive, yes, but also prepare myself. Because especially with addiction, sometimes I think you have to think about, oh, they're a minute late, oh, they're five minutes late, yes. oh, now they're an hour late, and every bad thing is going through your brain. Absolutely. And I'm the type that I read a lot of people and their behaviors and how they talk, and I am calculating every single thing, and you're not even realizing yeah. it, but I don't even think I realize I'm doing it. But I can tell you what's different. You're off. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but you're off. This mm-hmm. isn't normal. Right. And it probably goes into my ADHD, like hypersensitive. But um, yeah, we had a great holiday. We had um, probably one of the poorest holidays I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. Even being a single mom, we couldn't afford to even buy gifts for our kids. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard figuring out how to make it happen. And I could see just more and more weight falling yeah, on him. For sure. Um, and because of that, he was just looking for work where he could. Plowing was a trigger for him. Yeah. And But he was like, I think I'm okay. Like, we need this money. I have to do something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I trust your judgment because that's all I can do. Right. And um, in that time, I had we had set boundaries, though, saying, okay, if this happens, this is how we have to respond. And if you make this choice, this is how we're going to move forward. But it took a lot to get there. It took many, many situations of not having boundaries, of pushing areas and being walked over or me exploding in frustration mm-hmm. and um, reactions to behaviors that maybe weren't even what they were. Right. And um, so we had Christmas and it snowed shortly after and he had to go plow Mm -hmm. and I just remember thinking don't go yeah don't do it especially because him and um Kevin your dad had you know kind of made that bond and had been going to all those meetings yeah so he had connected with uh my dad and my dad's best friend Ray and Mm -hmm. another gentleman and uh they had four and the other gentleman and Ray had also been recovering addicts and so they would meet once a week and we're just going through healing healing Mm -hmm. of trauma and 
how to acknowledge these things in a safe place with people who you can trust and how to move forward as a man with your family and just in a lot of other ways. Mm -hmm. And so you could see it. He was very excited about the work he was doing on himself. Well, and he it felt showed. like he had a place. Absolutely. A purpose. Yes, perfect. He had a purpose. Mm -hmm. And for once, I think he he knew what he wanted yeah. and he wanted to fight for that mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but he, he relapsed that night. He left because, you know, and he did. I think he truly genuinely wanted to make that decision and be strong enough, but he wasn't. And he relapsed and um, I had to take the kids and yeah. I had to leave the house. I had to go to mm -hmm. my parents and we had to work through this. Because mm -hmm. it wasn't about you guys anymore. It's about yes. the kids. Mm -hmm. And I just remember the phrase of being like, and I remember hitting it in my heart of hearts saying, I physically, I can't love you through this. Mm -hmm. I can't. I have this newborn. She's two months. And I have me. And I don't have anything left mm -hmm. to do to get you through this. Like, you have to do this on your own. Right. And he wanted to. He, you know, he wanted to. But he, I think, was really struggling with a lot of disappointments in that area mm -hmm. that he had made a choice and it affected him in a very dramatic way. Yeah. So I would say it was about, um, you know, granted, he was also struggling with depression. Right. And um, he was trying a medication that I don't think really worked for him. Mm -hmm. I think it kind of added to that Probably. also. And so with that, it was five days from his relapse to the morning that I found him um, in our garage. He had taken his own life. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it was not expected. I think I thought he was, I was thinking he'd asked me to come over. He'd written a letter because yeah. we were still talking. And I was like, right. we're going to make this through it. Mm -hmm. We are going to figure it out. We love you. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I was so calm because he was not a very nice person in some mm -hmm. of it. He was in his alter ego, I called it. Yeah. Um, but I just had this weird you piece did. of like, we love you. We're here for you. Mm -hmm. We just want the best for you. Mm -hmm. And um, we are going to do it. We're going to we're going to do this, but we can only do so much. You have to pull your end mm -hmm. of it. You have to pull yourself through this and you have to face some some stuff in yourself. Right. And I think at that point there had been so much stuff that I can't tell you what it was like in those last moments for I him. Know. But I can tell you what it was like for me. And I I never, I, I thought maybe he, he's too selfish for that. He would take off and go just be guilt-free and go, you know, be in live addiction before he would do something like right. that. But then when I really thought about it, I knew that all he ever wanted was us, and I knew that he wouldn't be able to walk away from us. Yeah. And I know this sounds crazy and people don't quite understand suicide. Um, and it's not a one size fits all at all. It's very much different for every situation. And I learned this going through this situation that, you know, his almost felt sacrificial. Mm -hmm. It was like he, even in the letter he wrote to me, it was like, you are the best thing you're the reason that I've been alive for this long. Mm -hmm. And um, our beautiful daughter is the best, one of the best things I've ever done. And he, he didn't want to. No, he didn't. But he felt that we deserved so much yes. more. Because he just loved us so much. Mm -hmm. And that's the mindset that you get in. Is yeah. the world will be better without me. Right they'll be better off without me yeah and I just remember always telling him like I don't care if we're in a you know cardboard box right. like I love you and um, like I want the best for mm -hmm. you and we love you and we care for you and we'll make it through but if you don't feel that and you have that emptiness inside and you struggle with this and this is something and I don't think is talked about is just the drugs that right amplify those yeah feelings. absolutely your state of mind and where mm -hmm. you're at amplifies it and and um, who knows if he you know truly knew what was going 
yeah. through everything. He had been awake right. for many days in exactly. a row. Yes. And so, one, what you learn now is that actually, um, I want to say it's 64% of suicides is actually middle-aged white men, which the statistics are wild. That is wild. And especially they're climbing after COVID, like oh, climbing gosh, dramatically. I, I like keep seeing is it climbing? Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's those, um, so now I'm navigating life. I, as a widow, mm-hmm. we, we technically weren't married, but I'm a widow. Mm-hmm. We were together and, um, my daughter is now fatherless and, um, I had to leave my house because I could not stay there another day where um, I saw what I saw. Right. And um, I left instantly and um, I had a hard time going back. But um, it's definitely been an interesting ride, I should say, from that. Um, But... We'll get through my healing journey here and part of our, you know, different Mm -hmm. episodes and what we're going to be doing. I would say one of the hardest things raising Lorelai without her father is um, we have when you have your kid, no matter whether you're with their parent or not, when your kid is doing something and they're doing something incredible and it doesn't matter what it is but you look at the other parent and you get to see that look in their eyes right because we created that Mm -hmm. that is us and we're proud and it's the only person in life that will look at your kid Mm -hmm. with the love that you look at your kid the only other person in life that feels that and um i don't get to see that no and that is been really difficult for it me. is a difficult thing yeah just you want to look at that other person and think you know you want that other person to say wow look at her like yes. and um you otherwise you feel like you're just bragging about your kid right like my kid <laughs> but she this is or whatever, pretty you know? spectacular she's a that little kid. auntie Yai. she's spicy <laughs> she she's is spicy. spicy that's what i call it you spicy today <laughs> but um you know, that's been one of the hardest things, and it still gut wrenches my heart. Yeah. Thinking, God. And I know. And so it's funny because I say, I wish you could see this. And I yeah. go, I know you see it. Yeah. But I, I wish I could see your face. Especially when she Watching talks. her in these wins. Yeah. You know, watching her in these these things because, man, she's a mini. Like, <laughs> she is a tomboy. She yeah. is navigating, like, vehicles at the age of one around corners. And she wants to go fast. Oh, The gosh. faster it is, the better. Uh-huh. She wants to be outside, under a car, like, fishing and mm-hmm. it's just she wasn't even around it it's just genetically no. in her nature it's versus nurture crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy Definitely. but um so now i would say in my life i am navigating restarting i yeah. started my life from scratch you did and right after he passed away let's say we just entered into covid yeah. so I was miserable in a basement, depressed and sad, and so was everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie, I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be miserable <laughs> and alone and crabby and uh-huh. poor and starting completely over, so is everybody else. And uh, there, if there was any time, I'm kind of glad it was then. I agree. Because so, mm-hmm. um, I got to spend more time with you, too. So <laughs> yes. Not to be selfish, but... <laughs> and uh, now we're here, which here is so are. crazy. And it just goes to show show um just the the push in life and um I would say I have a lot to thank for you for keeping helping me keep my goals in line and what I needed to do next in order to move to the next phase Mm -hmm. as well as just letting me be crazy or letting me be sad or letting me be um happy or mm-hmm. whatever I was feeling you just were always there and you just let me be you didn't try to fix it no and that was a huge part in my healing I think too mm-hmm. so we helped each other yes but yes I'm yes. glad I could be there for <laughs> all of it and auntie Yayi <laughs> is uh, she's a good little addition but um yeah so I think I'm just most excited in this journey to share how I'm where I'm at now and the steps and faith and just 
um, I had to dig pretty deep to find my resources. Yes. And just to find who I am now as a person, because I am not anything I once knew. No. At all. Mm -mm. You know, and, and people would always be like, I've never been through what you've been Mm -hmm. through. So there's no comparison with anything. Your feelings are valid. My feelings are valid. And I had to learn, like, give yourself some grace and it's okay. And um, my best thing that I've learned now is how to help other people go through and just accept that it's okay to be miserable. Yeah. It's okay to be just the deepest, darkest sadness. It's okay. Don't fight it because the more you fight it, the more you're going to stay in that place. You're not going to move from there. And I am so looking forward to walking through my next journeys and how I've gotten through these last few years because he's been gone over two years Mm -hmm. now and how I've chosen to move forward and um, have chosen to live my life not only for me, but live a life that I know that he wanted to and and um, learn how to love our daughter for the both of us, right. as well as raising my teenage son, mm-hmm. who, you know, Matt's death affected a lot of people yeah, around us, it did. you know, and I don't think, I think he would be blown away to see how that trickled down and how many people it really actually affected. Yeah, because they don't do it for that reason but yes. no mm-hmm. and I, I think people would be blown away to know how many people you affect in your mm-hmm. life just in every day mm-hmm. so and I'm so glad you're turning towards this journey of expressing and talking about it because as you went through it you found out that there wasn't a lot of resources no. for this no there wasn't and if there was it was um not very open mm-hmm. it seemed like there was a still a hidden part because it was there's a lot of shame and guilt in admitting that a you had to deal with the addiction side Mm -hmm. there's trauma involved there's a lot of shame just saying when people say how did he pass for about a year it was really difficult for me to say he took his own life Mm -hmm. And I was so proud of you that day, too, when you finally decided to say what happened. And it was funny because it was like it wasn't funny. I shouldn't say that. It's probably one of those things I say to diminish it. Right. But um, it was interesting that the first time I think I told somebody that that's what happened. Instantly, there was a connection that they had had something similar and. Um, I have found every single time that I admit that and that I'm open about it, that it is impactful Mm -hmm. in a part of that person's life and they have a connection or they have a story and you can tell in their face and when they talk to me that it is not something they talk about or they're able to. And there's not many people you come across that you can actually connect with Mm -hmm. and have an understanding Mm -hmm. about as well as all the changes in financially, how to deal when somebody passes, planning a funeral, dealing with all their stuff, dealing with family, like social security for your kid. Like it is not like somebody passes and boom, it is a next year you are still dealing with the loss after loss Mm -hmm. there's a lot of losses after the loss Mm -hmm. my whole world was flipped upside down and it doesn't affect everybody else the same way it affects me and eventually everybody's caught up but um it's an instant thing for me yeah and um as much as you want people to understand what's going on in your life i hope and pray to god that nobody actually ever has to know Mm -hmm. what this feels like definitely So I really want to educate people on how to help people around them in tragedies, in losses like these. And um, because let's be real, we're not, nobody's getting out of life without some sort of tragedy in their Mm -hmm. life. It's just impossible. Right. Unless you're the first one to go. Right. But even then, there's people around you and you still need to set yourself up Mm -hmm. for people around you to be able to live on with life too well I love that I get to go through this with you in a way I mean there's obviously been some times where 
it's not that, but I will say I'm so happy that you are where you are and you get to share your story and help others because I think it dives back to your number one of net networking with people and wanting to talk with people and this is where yes. you're supposed to be. Yes. I love it. Well, thank you. And I uh, thanks for everybody for letting me, you know, tell you about my messiness of life. Yeah. And I, I'm excited to dig further, deeper, I and too. go into this. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Allie. Yeah, thanks I for being you. relatable. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us in the Twisted Sisters. <laughs> right, no kidding. Talk about getting deep. No kidding. <laughs> Allie's will be better, I promise. Ah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast. We'll now leave you with a little bit of wisdom from Allie and Samantha. Imperfection is beauty. Madness is genius. And it's better to be absolutely ridiculous than absolutely boring. Twisted, Twisted sisters. sisters. We're all a little twisted. <laughs>